Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Aside and put our thoughts aside. And God, I just pray that every person in this room and those joining online would just understand that moments of worship, it's just Jesus. And God, I'm so grateful that you provided opportunity for us. Your word teaches us that, that, God, you allow us to come into your throne room, the presence of God. And it, the, the, the reason for that is just simply to say, Jesus, you are king. Are Lord to tell you you are worthy. God, I pray that as when that takes place, God, that there are some people that may be here in this room or joining with us online that that the Spirit draws them to a place of the knowledge that, that their their life needs to be closer to you in that relationship. I pray that throughout this time that we have today, that you would just continue to draw them, speak to their hearts as we lift up your Son. God, you said through him that when he is lifted up, that you will draw men to yourself. God, that's the reason for our being. We thank you for it. Hallelujah. All hail King Jesus. There's a word of that, this previous song that we sang that just felt like the Lord maybe wanted to seal this with somebody in here. It just says, my anchor holds within the veil. So you say, what does that veil mean? The Bible says that when, when Jesus was crucified, that this veil that had previously separated us from the presence, this veil of the temple was torn in two, and it was symbolic that it gave us presence, or gave us access to the presence of God. And that, that line in that song says, my anchor holds within the veil. I don't know what you've walked through this past week. I don't know what is happening or what's the situation in your life right now, but the Holy Spirit is just kind of hitting pause on our service today just to say to you that your anchor, the Word of God, it holds, it stays. The storm may be strong, the winds may be chaotic, but your anchor holds within the presence of the Lord, within the veil, within that space of you um, allowing your life to be be solid based upon the Word of God in His presence. Boy, that's confidence. That's strength. God, we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Pastor Clayton and team, thank you so much, as always, just for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Would you do me a favor and turn around and maybe say hi to someone and greet someone before you are seated today? Just welcome them into God's presence. Amen. You could be seated. I'm sorry. Some of you are waiting for me to say that. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're joining with us online, thank you again. 
Pastor G said, we'd love to connect with you. Maybe that's through that digital connect card or however we would love to, to join you on this journey too. You've come to, come to the right place. And uh, this week, I know there may be some special guests, even my family. I was with my family this past week um, out in Phoenix, Arizona. It's hot. Yeah, you know, whatever. So there you go. Uh, but I was able to be with my family. Um, they honored me with the opportunity to, to speak at my uncle's funeral and just uh, just encourage, hopefully, the family there of a hope that we have in Jesus. And uh, in fact, how many of you, aren't aren't you just glad for family? Isn't it just good? And whether that's physical family or spiritual family, it's just good. And if you're looking for a family, uh, boy, you found it. And uh, my cousins and I, we had a good time joking around and playing about, you know, the, we're, we're all getting older a little bit, but when we get together, especially the, the guys, it's like we're 15-year-old junior high boys again. And that could be dangerous, right? But uh, it's like, I feel like we should just go play wiffle ball in grandpa's backyard. It just felt like that. So it was fun. My cousins, when I was leaving um, Phoenix, they said, you feel free. They asked if I was preaching this morning. I said, yes. They said, feel free to use uh, sermon material that you may have received this week. They said, just change our names if you don't mind. So uh, we'll probably not do that today. But anyway, it was fun. Thank you for praying for us as uh, just went and been, were with them. Well, every week we have an opportunity to um, take an, an, a, a moment in our agenda and just focus our worship differently. And we sing corporate songs, and I love just the presence of the Lord. And so many times, um, I just it, it sets the table for what God has for us, right? And it's just the atmosphere is just so good and rich and right. Uh, but another way we worship the Lord is through our giving. And so I'm going to encourage you just to respond to God's word. God God's word says that we are to return to the Lord his tithes and then bring our offerings. You can do that in a lot of different ways. You can give physically the envelopes there in front of you, put those in the buckets on your way out. Uh, you can do that online at calvarytriad.com slash give. I'm going to encourage you, if you haven't done that before, just set it up, take a few seconds to do that. And then possibly you'd want to join like we do is uh, my, my family. We just do that on a recurring uh, payment. So you don't have to, to think about that regular um, tithe at least. The offering, you may want to be a little bit more spontaneous with that, however the Lord leads you there. Um, but you can do that online, and then you can also text to give the amount to 84321. I said it in the early service. Let me take just two seconds and say it this way here. Say, Pastor John, why do you always take so much time um, in the service to highlight that? Well, first answer is easy. Number one, the Bible says to do that. And really nothing else matters, right? But as far as how we do that, secondly, the reason why I have a, an opportunity to do that is because, um, is, is because first, I'm, I'm kind of new here and whatever, and you say, stop saying that. You've been here six months, whatever. But I just want you as a church family to know that this is a, an important time of worship. And the highlight of that is very intentional, right? You say, well, that, is that how it's always going to be? No. Um, it's just an opportunity for us to kind of recalibrate in the priority there. And, um, and that's just significant and, and that's good. So that's kind of why we take a, a step down. The other thing that I want to say in that is to say to you, thank you and celebrate a little bit what God is doing through your gifts and, 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 and our worship in tithes and offering. Last week, were you here with us last week? How many of you were here last week? Let me see your hand. Yeah. 
All right, so two people, uh, actually, that was a good thing. And the other, and like, how do I clap and raise my hand at the same time? Pastor John, you're tricking us. I get it. Uh, it was a great Sunday last week. We officially launched what we call Kingdom Builders. If some of you may um, say, well, I've never heard that before. Well, as you leave today at the South Lobby, go to your right, and the Kingdom Builders um, gallery there is an opportunity for you to see the expression of Calvary Church as it relates to even the verse that we're going to hear from Acts today is our mission of God in this that he gives us and how we expand his kingdom both locally and globally and then also into the future. Last week we launched that. Pastor Rick DeBose was here. It's a great message on, on missions and the mission of God. And so it was an incredible time. If you missed it, go back to the Kingdom Builders Gallery there and uh, there's a book there. There's a magazine there that kind of tells the vision and heart behind that. It tells a little bit about what we've done, about what we are doing and what we are going to do. And also there's a back page in there that says the goal for the year is $500,000. That's incredible. That's a God-sized dream that we need the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. And I believe he is able as we respond to his word to do that. So there's things like that. There's also a, a card in there. It just simply says plan, vision, dream. And that card's for you. It's an opportunity for you to, to ask God, God, what would you have me to do? Play the part in this and then just put it in your Bible and pray about it throughout the, the year. And uh, I just believe God's going to do some great things. We're going to begin to hear testimonies of God's faithfulness and it's going to be awesome. This past week, we had our monthly board meeting and we met, the, the leaders of the church met, and uh, it was just an incredible time for us to look at some of the logistics and the operational things of Calvary Church. And it's just a moment for us. How many of you understand that if God can like, you know, speak to you and be blessed through a financial report, God's doing something, right? So that was a, an awesome time to look and see that God is blessing in and through Calvary Church right now in this season, greater than he has in a long, long time. And so God is, is, is kind of wanting us to be encouraged, that little breath of sunshine into the space and say, okay, God, let's, let's, let's lean into what you're doing through your spirit. And so through the, the report, even in the, the board meeting this past week, and then last week in our giving, some of you have asked, did we hit our $100,000 um, mark? No. Wah, wah, wah. I mean, like I, I literally I was conflicted even to say that. But I will say this, and this is an opportunity for celebration. Last week, the, the giving last week, one, one Sunday in our, like the deposit or whatever that make is the largest giving Sunday in the last 10 plus years of Calvary Church, the largest Sunday that we've experienced ever. Like in that, that's incredible. So we say, Pastor John, where'd we hit? We're just a little bit north of 90,000, so we just almost made that, which is still phenomenal. It's incredible, right? Sometimes, you know, aim for the moon, shoot stars, or whatever that is, you know, that whole thing. But boy, God's doing some great, great things there, and I just want to celebrate with you in that, that time there as well. So we've got a long way to go, and the reason why we've got a long way to go is because God's not finished, and there's people that need to know Jesus even still. And we've got partners all over this world that are joining us with that. We have a, a pretty lofty goal for the year, and I believe that God will help us see that as we, uh, as we just listen to him and respond to what he's doing. So take advantage of those, uh, those materials back in the back. Kingdom Builders is going to be a great thing. 
Also, June 5th, the next, next Sunday that we have a time to experience water baptism. And if you are here and you say, you know what, I've accepted Jesus in my life, or maybe it's been a long time since you have and you want to be rebaptized, that's fine. June 5th, we're going to have water baptism Sunday morning here. Um, you can let us know that you'd like to participate in that through the Connect cards there or through the church office. And the Sunday after that, June 12th, we're going to be recognizing all of our graduates, those that have graduated from high school, college, and different um, moments there in the service on June 12th. You can also connect with us, the connect card there as well, to give us that information. Ah, there it is. That's all the family matters. You ready? That was, a, that was not a rhetorical question. Are you ready to hear from God's word here this morning? So I, yeah, all right. Yeah, so... Pastor John, you're setting us up here this morning to, to not know when to respond and not. So that's all right. You can talk back to me all day and it'll be just fine. We, uh, we're starting this morning on a new series that I have been honestly thinking and, and, and praying about even before we were uh, pastors here at, uh, elected as pastors here at Calvary Church. And that's this series on the book of Acts. And what we are going to be focusing on the, la- the next several weeks, and <clears throat> someone asked me how long it's going to, the series is going to be. I don't know yet. So just, just buckle in and get your notes ready because it's going to be just kind of a little bit drawn out. We're going to, do, going to see what God has for us through the book of Acts. But before we were pastors here at Calvary Church, I just begin to pray. God, this is a unique opportunity in the life of the church, both Calvary Church and Big C Church. And we've heard these words a lot uh, here recently of this recalibration, reset, or whatever. But culturally, we have a unique privilege that God has given us, afforded us a chance to make sure that what we're doing is right that what we're doing is effective. It lines up with the word of God and it's an opportunity for us to recalibrate. So when we begin to pray about our next season of ministry, God put this on my heart that there is no better foundation, obviously, than the word of God, but even more specific within the word of God, no better foundation to, to recalibrate, reset upon than the book of Acts. It's a model for us as a church. It's a model for us as family members, as individuals to say, God, how did you birth this this plan that you have called the local church? What are the principles and things that you set in place from the very beginning that we can model there in in our lives as well? So God laid that on our heart to, to do that even before this. And then when we've stepped into this role here, it's just been really incredible to see how that God has prepared our hearts. We've done some, some talk through the last days and few weeks of Jesus's life leading up to the crucifixion and resurrection and celebrating his resurrection at Easter and then talking about what happened between the time of his resurrection. And then, then we'll see here in, in the next week or, so, or two, the, the day of Pentecost and the birth of the local church and the birth of, of God's spirit in, into the world. But Acts provides us the opportunity for that foundation. And let me just say a few introductory comments today before we get into this. Um, this is a, a, a service here today that the first part's going to take a little bit different, more of a teaching type time and just setting up. 
but it, it's an opportunity for us to get ready for where he has for us to go the next couple of weeks. So if you're note takers, like this is, if, if for me personally, if I'm a note taker, like I want to know if I'm about to start something unique or different or new, I'm turning over and starting a fresh page, right? So uh, if you got your notebooks, you know, fresh page title, the story continues, Acts series begins today, right? So I'm just kind of giving, I'm seeing you guys showing me your journals. That's great. If you don't have a journal or whatever, that's fine. There's cards in front of you, that little notes tab. It's amazing how obvious that is, right? To, I just encourage you, those are there for a reason because I believe God's gonna, going to begin to speak things in and through our lives that we would not just approach this series to say, oh, that's awesome. That's a cool historical recollection of things that took place. But it would be a different perspective that we would say to ourselves, hey, this story, it continues in me. And, and there's application to what God wants me and as a husband, as a wife, as a student, as a, a mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa, the story continues in you and me and, and, and in us. I'm of the, the age where I remember, um, for some of you, you're going to understand that you're going to have to imagine a little bit with me in the application of this. But do you remember back when before VCRs even, before like DVRs and before online streaming or whatever, when you had to actually plan when you were going to watch a particular show on TV, right? My sister and I, we used to do this crazy thing where we would call what show we would got to get, get to watch, you know, and if you didn't call it and the other person called something else, then, you know, too bad because you got one TV. I remember, you know, every Thursday at seven o'clock, we call, I called it, I get to watch Cosby show. I called it, you know, whatever the thing is, you know, I called this. Well, there were some shows and it's usually like the hour long dramas. And some of you guys, you'll, you'll see where I'm going here in just a minute. But at the end of these shows, they were like suspenseful moments where you would, there was an ongoing story. And at the end of the show, at the hour long or whatever drama that we'd be watching, there would be these three little words that would pop up on the, the, the TV. Uh, screen there, right? And, and, and it would just really frustrate me to no end, right? And you guys are with me. You know where I'm going. There's these three little words, and it would say, to be continued, right? And you'd be like almost ready to figure out who did the crime or where the person was hidden or where the, the, the treasure was, whatever. And it'd say, to be continued. And you're like, oh, man. And some of the young people in the room was going, just hit next episode, dude. Don't worry about it. What are you doing? No, you couldn't binge watch all the shows on Netflix. And there's these things that were like to be continued. And you had to wait for the next part of the story. And it was so frustrating. And you just were left hanging there. But you know what also happened in that? Well, I wasn't going to miss next week because my goodness, if I didn't watch the next show, then who knows where that person would end up in eternity, right? They would always be lost. And they would, anyway, to be continued. It's kind of that same way when we dive into this book of Acts, you say, well, Pastor John, that's a hard explanation. We'll see you in a minute in the very first verse of the book of Acts where the writer Luke says, in my first book, in other words, I've already written the first chapter to you. Now here's the next chapter. And we're going to see as we dive through this book that, that we're the third chapter, like we're the ones that the story is continued in. And so this idea of to be continued is really important as we say, well, the story continues. There's something that was done, something that is being done, and something remains to be done. So Acts 
answers this question after Jesus' death, death and resurrection, well, what happened next? And then it also answers the question or gives us a pattern for what should happen next. And that's the lens through which we come to this time. So before we get into um, uh, just actually diving in, I want to give you just a few facts about this book. If you're note takers, this is, you know, for those of you that are like history buffs or whatever, this will geek you out a little bit, right? Just, just write down notes, bullet points. So here we go. First thing, Luke was the author of the book of Acts. You say, why is that important? Well, for several reasons. One, Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He was one that was a very educated man. He was one that was a professional. He had this, this ability within himself to to because of his experiences, I love the way God uses people with their talents to achieve a particular purpose. Luke was a physician, and as such, you will see things in Luke's gospel and also in Acts that say things like, we were witnesses of, there was proof of, there was evidence for. That's important because Luke would have been the, the type of person that, that the validity of what he was writing was extremely important. It was not just something that he would say, hey, let me, let me you know, make this a flowery story or kind of embellish. No, he was very concerned with the authenticity of what he was writing. So he, this, this profession, him being a physician, is important. You'll see that here in a minute. It was written around 63 AD. Why is that significant? Because it tells us that this is not a recollection of events that is hundreds of years removed from the time that it took place. That's important for us to understand because how many of you understand when you see something, you know, one day, then three weeks later, you're going to have a a fuzzy memory and all of the men understand that just ask your wives and they'll say, yes, that's true, right? My wife does that same, you know, she's like, you said that and and boy, you, well, anyway, I I sometimes think she takes advantage of that. No, I'm just teasing. But we forget things as they, as they go on. And so Luke, when when we understand the proximity with which it was written, we understand understand that there is, there's validity too, that there's not this, this, uh, you know, decades and decades and hundreds of years removed and, and fuzzy memories. We'll also see the reason why that's important in a minute. Most of the characters mentioned, um, in acts, uh, the, the, the most mentioned character, I could, I should say that the, the most mentioned character, I get in tongue tied in the book of acts is not uh, any of the apostles. In fact, in your Bible, it may say the Acts of the Apostles. And a more correct title of this book would probably say the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the most mentioned character in this book of Acts. You'll see, as I said, that Luke relied on witnesses. The, the book of Acts is kind of this bridge peace between the gospels, the life of Jesus, and then the epistles and, and some of the other writings of Paul and other, the other, the disciples there, as far as their letters to the church. So acts is kind of this bridge piece of, we have Jesus physically here on earth. We see his life.
just want to keep things like this. And let me caution you from that because when that mentality comes into your mind, as, and I get it, it happens sometimes, that really is in direct opposition to what God's plan for the church is. Not to say, oh, you've got to have one body that's huge and big. Well, I'm not worried about that. But the truth of it is that God's plan has always been for the growth and expansion of his kingdom. Why? Because we are all his sons and daughters. And as an earthly father, we understand that you'd want all of your kids to be in relationship with you. And it's no different from God. He wants those that have fallen away from him to be in connection with him. And we are the plan for that to be accomplished. So the growth of the church is not a human man-made thing. It's God's plan. It's, it's so important for him. Acts, we see that the, the, it begins, <clears throat> excuse me, with a church so small it could fit in one room. And it ends with a church that spread to the entire heart of what then was the Roman Empire. Acts begins with a local Jewish church of one language and culture and ends with an international church of many tribes, languages, and cultures. Can I just tell you, as the pastor here at Calvary, it is awesome to be involved in a church that is multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-gestation of life, and whatever multi you want to put in there, right? And you just walk around the building and just see there are so many people that are active in this expression of God's church that don't look like you, and that's good. I am so honored that God has allowed this expression. And we need to always be a place where people would feel welcome, even though they don't necessarily look or feel or whatever. That's, we're going to always preach the word of God. And that difference in look doesn't mean we compromise here, but it does mean we say, hey, you're welcome. You're, let's come do this journey together. And we'll see even in Acts that, that is, that's biblical. It's a pattern for this idea of the growth and expansion of God's kingdom, of the church. And that, that's exciting. It's about the growth of the church. And then finally, Acts, above all, it's about the Holy Spirit. We, think, we see throughout Scripture that, uh, that, that God is, is described as, as, as three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to tell you this right now, that we are, are designed and created in that same image like God. And so we have spiritual beings. And Acts is really deep into this spiritual element of our being. And so some of you is like, oh, that makes me feel uncomfortable. That's all right. God's okay with your uncomfort. He just wants you to say, hey, this is the way I've created you. And so this spiritual element that God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, is really the conductor, is the producer, the director of this story of Acts. He is the, the most important character in this story. He continues to do through the church what Jesus began. You know, in this first part of the book of Acts, it says that, that, that the spirit coming upon the disciples was the beginning of, we're going to see how the, the, the implications of that changed the way and how they did things. And can I just tell you kind of the last chapter right now before you even wonder how we're going to end? There is not a statement at the end of the book of Acts that says, well, that was great but it's done. 
That's not how the story ends. The story never has not ended yet, right? It's just one of those moments where we see the story continues. And so all throughout this series, when we see, wow, God did that very uniquely there, the question we should be asking ourselves is, how does this apply to my life now today? And not believe the lie that says, wow, my human experience has not really seen that yet, so that must not be true. The truth of it is that it's God's scripture and God's plan and purpose for us in, in the, the church is laid out pretty clearly here. And so as we come to the book of Acts, let us not take our human experience, lay it as a filter over the book of Acts, and thus determine what is and is not appropriate for our lives. That's a dangerous position to be in. That we would say, Holy Spirit, reveal to us what you would have for us through this, this series and this study, as we should with every book of the Bible, right? It's an opportunity for us to say, God, how does this change and apply to our lives? Well, let's dive in. Actually, that was all intro, right? So you're looking at your clock going, oh my goodness, we're going to be here for, I haven't preached in three weeks, so buckle up. We've got a long, teasing, teasing. Let's start. Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in the first part of this. I told you already, Luke's the author, and he says this. In my first book, his gospel, I told you, Theophilus. Now, a little bit of sidebar here. Theophilus was written, uh, the, the man that he wrote his gospel to as well. There's a lot of scholars that say that Theophilus back in the day was kind of a very common name. And as such, it was, it was probably, you know, it could have been received, this book, as kind of like a John Doe type of, you know, John's very common name. And so it wasn't just written to a specific person, but to, to the readers in general, to the church in general. So Luke is saying, hey, church, I wrote to you in my first book about the life of Jesus. Now the story continues. He said, I wrote to you in my first book about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he, here's Luke the physician, you remember I said, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. That's huge. This person that they had walked those dusty roads with, that they had seen die on a cross, a cruel death, a horrific death, they saw him put in the tomb now he's standing before them, flesh and blood. He is physically alive. He has conquered death. The thing that they thought was the end was no longer the end through him, that they could live eternally. And the story continues. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he has eaten with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was foreshadowing the tools, the empowerment that he was about to give them to fulfill the task that he had called them to do. It wasn't just, hey, go change the world. See ya. It was, hey, go change the world and I'm going to give you the tools necessary for the task. 
So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, don't you just see your own kids in this? I'm going to give you a job. And there's like a millions of questions. Well, they asked him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Isn't it interesting that in the middle of something so transformational that Jesus was about to say to them that they were very much interested in, in, in figuring out and knowing the timing and how things were going to work out. Now, is this the time? God, is this when you're going to do this and that? And they, 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 as we all would, not to put too much blame or shame on them, but they were very concerned about the timing of God. We need to know the, the, the details of the, the plan here so that we can make sure that we, we've got it all under control. We, is this about the time to restore our kingdom? And Jesus sees that in them, and his response is he was this. He replies, the Father alone has the authority to set, to set those dates and times. They're not for you to know. There's a whole teaching we could do about that. You know, that we've gone through seasons where people say, oh, I know when the Lord's coming back. Well, no. <laughs> the Father alone, Jesus himself said, God alone knows that. They're not for you to know. And then what he says to them is so significant that I hope you don't miss this. It's not necessarily about him laying out the plan and giving us the playbook of, of the what necessarily, but he really does give us the how. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere at Walmart, in Target, at Chick-fil-A, serving God's chicken, right? You all know that. So there's just these moments everywhere. It would be the moment that they would say, God, tell us the what. He says, I'm not worried about the what, but I am going to tell you the how. I'm going to tell you that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he drops this bomb on them, right? A significant, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. Aren't you glad for that promise that they received right then? You know, there's something significant about a person's last words. We've all probably thought or dreamt about our last words, and if you could script it out, the perfect, I would want to say this, and sometimes God gives us the opportunity there, but sometimes not. But boy, I think he orchestrated it pretty phenomenally here in Jesus before he was taken up. He left them with a promise, but you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. What he was saying to them is this story continues and it continues in you and me. And the book of Acts is all about that. The simple application for our time here today um, as we launch into this series, it's going to be two main points. And, I, and it's kind of just one of those things. It didn't mean to rhyme, but it does. <laughs> the story is true and the story involves you. That's it. Like if, if we'll get into that, that truth, 
that we could approach this series and say, this is a true story and it involves me. And we would apply that in and through our lives. I'm telling you, the triad will not know what hits it, right? Because we, as we are sent out and being continuations of this book of Acts story, the story is true and it involves you. Let's see how God wants to apply that in our lives. In Acts, we just read it, the third verse, it says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. Go back to what I said about Luke being the physician. He was very, very significantly, he was very aware of the authenticity of statements. He began to say things like, you men, you saw this. You saw these things, experience it. You experienced them right out in front of you. You saw that he died, he's risen, he's alive. I want to just kind of hit a little thing here just for a few minutes. We don't have time to dig too deep into this, but so many times we come up against people or not against really, but we come in conversation with people and say, that's great. Um, you know, that's just a cool history book, but you know, you, you believe that that's not my truth or, eh, you know what you did, you did, yeah, whatever. I'm just, here's, here's the truth of, of God's word. Number one, why ask yourself this, these men that were in this position to write this were this this document that was so incredibly significant through the power of the Holy Spirit that wrote this, they were literally afraid for their lives. Study through history, and, and you see that, that Jesus was a direct conflict to the way of life. And the religious leaders and the rulers there, they were very much concerned that the kingdom that he talked about would rob them of their power and their, their influence and grab. And so when these people that they were a part of, what they, they called back then a lot the way, these people of the way, they were really threatening to the systems in place. In fact, the men that wrote this word that we now hold as, as, as sacred through the power of the Holy Spirit, they did that at the risk of their own lives. If that was a lie, if this was some big sham, why in the world would these leaders like, like die for that? That just, that you have to put aside common sense to do that. So this experience of the writers is something we say, this word is true. We also look at different historical writings, not just the word itself, whether it's through the writings of Josephus or other, other historical figures that actually validate the events of scripture that take place. We've seen through archaeology theological findings and scrolls and different items of, of relics that point to the scripture that, that this word is true. We look at, you know what, the bit, one of I think is just the most powerful examples of this word being true is right here. It's my life and yours and changed lives are trophies of this powerful word that the Bible actually says that it goes to places in our lives and our hearts that, that our words cannot. It pierces to the, to the deep parts of our lives. And when we have changed lives, then, then, then it's just an, an amazing representation of the word of God. We read this quote a few weeks ago that, that says this, the man with the experience always is in a better position than the man with the argument. So this life change is, a, is an incredible representation that this word is true. Another way that the Bible 
um, uh, is, is valid in this is when we look at through the hundreds, I would love to take time, we don't have time today to go through the hundreds of prophecies that, that were written hundreds of years earlier that then began to be fulfilled in the life of Jesus, in the life of the, the early church. The prophet Joel said this way, probably one of the most famous that we're going to see played out in the next couple chapters in the book of Acts. Joel chapter 2 verse 27 says, then you will know that I am among my people Israel. Well, back then that meant something significant because we see that Jesus actually came and walked among his people. And he said, you'll know that I'm the Lord, your God, and there's no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. And then the most famous parts of this prophecy, it says, then after doing all those things, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. This word is true. This word is not just a historical book. It's the documentation of the first couple chapters of the story of God that he wants to say to us, the story continues and it involves you. This word is true. This story involves you, Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Have you ever asked yourself this question, and if not, I think it would be a good exercise, and maybe just, maybe this week, maybe even at lunch today, ask yourself, maybe with your family, what do I currently do? What things are actually active in my life that are 100% dependent upon the Holy Spirit? In other words, if God and his spirit weren't active through your life, what thing in your life right now would be completely impossible? It's an interesting question for us to ask individually. It's also an interesting question for us to ask as a church. What are the things that we have found ourselves doing that we could kind of say, not that we would, but we could just say to God, I got this. That's a scary place to be. Because when Jesus says, you'll receive power, and then you will do what I've called you to do, if that power is not necessary for doing what we are doing, then what are we doing? Do you understand the logic in that? That's just kind of one of those things that I'm just like, okay, God, help us to understand that we need to be about those things and, and, and those activities and those missional things that God's called us to do that are completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. As leadership of the church, every week we come into the play, or, you know, as, as staff, and we ask ourselves these questions, you know, not just to say, hey, let's keep doing the activities, but God, what are you saying to do? And there's some dreams and visions that are, that are big, and they should be, because if not, then we don't need this verse. Does that make sense to you? Are you catching, are you with me? As an individual, as a husband, as a wife, if, if, I hate the phrase doing church because that's so, it, but if, if being involved in the active um, mission of God is something that you can accomplish on your own, then I just be bold enough to say, God's got more for you. 
That, that, that's not what Jesus was saying to them. In fact, it was so important for him in the disciples in this moment where as he's appearing to them after his resurrection, he did not say to them, all right, guys, you've seen it all. You've seen me do everything. Go. That's not. go. That was not a sermon illustration, but that would have been good right there. Devil, get thee behind me, whatever. If that were the case, if we could do everything on our our own, then this verse would not really have impact. Jesus did that with the disciples as well. He said to them, I've got a big plan ahead for you. I've got things that you need to be about doing. And he did not just immediately launch them out into the place of, of, of their mission. What did he say to them? Wait. Wait. Because what I am asking you to do is huge. And you cannot do it on your own. You have to have the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think we get into the place where, where we just say, okay, this is a, a cool thing, a new thing, and we run and do. And we depend upon our own talents and gifts. And God's saying, if you'll just wait, I'm going to give you the dream and vision, but I'm also going to give you the tool by which you should accomplish that, and that's the Holy Spirit. There's an amazing quote from someone that talks about our dependency on the Holy Spirit as far as the church. A.W. Tozer says this, if the Holy Spirit were taken away from the New Testament church, 90% of what they did would come to a halt. Pretty good percentage, right? That, that's that's pretty transformational. Then he says, "But if the Holy Spirit were taken away from the church of today, ten percent of what we do would come to a halt." One man's opinion. Some of you that may be offensive to. I I tend to think that there's probably more truth to that than there should be. Whatever the percentage is. God, let us be a church that if your Holy Spirit, He's not going to do this because we're going to seek His face. But if your Holy Spirit is gone. We got nothing. Like, let us be a church that that flows in that. As as lead and as the the point in this this family is is someone that understands the dependency on that, can I just tell you that that we, our heart and and desires, that 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 would be reflective in this church, in our worship experiences, in our small group activities, in our board meetings, in our kids' ministries, in our youth ministries, in our, our, our small group, all of the stuff that we do, it would be a moment where we say, you know what, God, if you're not in this and your spirit doesn't give us power, then we've really got nothing. And see, the truth of that is, is that if we are doing things that are in our own ability that, that we feel comfortable with, just we got this, then maybe God's telling us through this story that we just need to lean into this moment to, that we would be more dependent upon power to be able to fulfill the call of God that he has called us to in his life. Because when we look at the, the verse there that Jesus said about the receiving power, I want you to have that in front of you just as we're hearing this. There, we're not going to go too deep in this, but understand 
understand that there's some really key words in here that you need to latch on to. This idea of power and then this idea of witness, that is, that's significant. Power, it comes from this Greek word. You guys could do a whole, we could do a whole series just diving deep into this. But this Greek word, it's, it says dunamis. It's a Greek word that we get the word dynamite or even dynamic. Now, that's not a passive word, right? That's not... Yeah, it's a little bit of power. No, that's like dynamic. That's dynamite. That does not um, um, have a connotation of boredom. That does not have a, yeah, I'm just going to go to church. No, 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 no. This is dynamic power that God wants to give in and through us. And then this idea of witness comes from the Greek word martis, or the word that we get, the word martyr. He said, hey, Pastor John, go back to the dunamis. <laughs> Let's stay with the dunamis. Let's get away from the martis, right? But it's like, as I could re- kind of retranslate or whatever, and using that idea into this, it was as if Jesus was saying, you shall receive dynamic power to live for me, and if necessary, even to die for me. That's not a boring call, <laughs> That's not a, an apathetic approach to that. In fact, these men and women that were hearing this word in that moment, many of them would be martyred for the cause of Christ. They would stake their lives, their very soul, on the fact that what he was saying was true because they had this dunamis, this dynamic power within them that they could not run away from. They could not just say, well, I'm just going to mail this one in. I'm just going to be a spectator in this. No, 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 no. It was this dynamic power that was living within them that required of them this connection. That power seems to be like something that would transform the things that we do in our daily lives if that power truly resided in his. God, let me be a husband and a father that has that dynamic power within me that my kids would look at my life, that my wife would look at my life, that my family would look at my life and they say, boy, he could not do that on his own, but the Holy Spirit is living and working and moving in and through him. That's what God is calling us to do. That's why Jesus said, wait, and then you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Isn't it interesting that God calls us to a place, God calls us to a moment where he wants to partner together with us. He doesn't just say, hey, this book, it's historical, it's true, and you should just know about it. But he calls us to a place where he says, hey, my story continues, and it involves you. He partners together with us. If God wanted to, he could just breathe a breath, and just everything would be set back into place. He could do that. He's God. I don't understand the why sometimes of his methodologies, but I do know this. He has allowed us, the church, to be the method by which he has chosen to bring his hope and light to the world. And that means that the story is true, and the story involves you. This whole series is going to be about us asking ourselves, how, how does that play out in my life? How does that really look? Well, part of today has just kind of been an intro to this, this time. And I want you to understand that as we see through the next few weeks and the activities of what God lays out in the book of Acts, there's going to be some things that you're going to question. There's going to be some things that you're going to say, well, I've never seen that before. And, and that's okay. 
Let's go on this journey together and not put our own personal experiences as a lens through which we see the scripture, but we would say, Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us in a really powerful way that that dunamis, that dynamic power would live in and through us and that we would be able to say, God, I'm gonna live for you with that dynamic power at all costs because that's truly significant. Worship team's gonna come and help me conclude and I wanna just give you a little story here at the end, an idea, a thought. In a minute, we're gonna have the prayer team come forward. I know the time, and we're running a little bit long. It's all right, nowhere else to go. You're the late service, I can say that. Yes, it is, and golf. No, I'm just teasing. So there's there's an idea in our our posture of this that I want you to kind of get your brain wrapped around this. This story continuing is really significant. And for me, it helps me to kind of get the awe and the wow of this to put myself, to kind of imagine myself as a part of the story in, in these moments. And it's like, it's like there was this beginning of the story of God. When you have these heroes of the faith, we see the, the cool movies about Moses and we hear stories about Father Abraham, you know, and Esther is such a time as this and all these amazing stories of men and women of God who have been used in an incredible way. And throughout history, the, the, we see those stories and it's like, so these Old Testament heroes and figures, it's, it's almost as if between that, the time of the Old Testament prophets and then the Gospels, it's like this, there's this spiritual relay race almost that we're trying to, to figure out where we are at in this place. And there's this, this baton of God's story and the word that they kind of pass off, right, in, into the, 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 the Gospels and to the apostles and the, 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 the prophets there that wrote the, the Bible and just the scriptures. It's an amazing story, but there's this this kind of a spiritual handoff there. And then beyond that, it's a point where, where we kind of find ourselves in this book of Acts where, where through the writings here of the early church, then we know that there's, there's another part of this story that, that God is saying to us that, that it's our responsibility to take this baton and, and run with it. Some of you know that I love sports, and so I'm going to use a little sport analogy here. And, and uh, every few years, if you're, if you're like me, the Olympics comes along, and you, you get involved in sports that you never have interest in any other time, right? Like, no one really likes curling. Let's be honest, right? Yeah, you don't, but then you're like, I gotta watch curling, you know, and all this stuff, and, and so you get involved in all these sports. Well, every, every few years, everybody gets involved with track and field, and I love it because it's just awesome and these people are so fast and but there's these there's these races that are kind of like that the the relay race that I love them and yet they're so frustrating sometimes because just because the person is the fastest or or the team is the fastest it does not always mean that they're going to win why because sometimes they drop the crazy little baton seems like such an insignificant thing but over and over it those of you that have watched the Olympics in any amount of time, you know that for some reason the U.S. teams seem to always be favored or at least one of the favorites to win and yet been plagued quite a bit with this dropping of this baton that is really quite frustrating. I was reading an article about this that explains some of that. It says in the past 109 years, the U.S. men's team has run the 4 by 100 relay. In other words, four people running a 100-yard dash, so 400 meters combined. They've run it 41 times in the Olympics and World Championships. And it says until Thursday, and this was written in August of 2021. So after the Tokyo Olympics there, they either finished first or second 27 times 
or they got disqualified 14 times. It's, it's kind of feast or famine, right? They're going to win or they're not going to get disqualified. It says only Thursday's race, it said it fell in between a little bit. They were sixth place. But even that was, was flawed by an incredibly poor handoff in one of their races or they would have won. The team's years of struggles have been highlighted once again. It says crazy things happen when two of the world's speediest humans try to pass a baton while running as fast as they can. So it's not a shock that bad handoffs, they, they haunt nearly every 4x100 relay team once in a while. The U.S. women, as a matter of fact, were disqualified in 04 and 08, and all the elite national teams have a few tales of horrors, but only the U.S. men's team have taken both winning relays and dropping the baton to such extremes. Wow, aren't we proud? And their races have gotten more harrowing recently. Since 1988, they've nearly they've had nearly as many disqualifications, 11, as medals, 12. And all but two of those DQs were for bad handoffs. So why is the handoff so hard? Well, unlike in the longer relays, such as 4x400, a handoff in the 4x100 happens when both runners are at or near top speed. Now their top speed is a lot faster than our top speed. It's a little bit difficult when you're running faster to do that handoff, so that's one reason. Also, this is interesting, the handoff in that relay is blind. In other words, the one receiving the baton is not looking behind, reaching behind him to try to, to reach for the baton and grab their fuse is not on what they are receiving to take in the rest of the race. And for me, as reading this story, I'm like, boy, I'm so glad that this handoff and this story continuing in this spiritual race is not blind. That we have an opportunity through our study of God's word to understand and see not only what, but how we should receive this story and be launched forward into our leg of the race by the power of the Holy Spirit. This handoff is not blind. Finally, most elite teams try to hand off towards the latter part of what they call the exchange zone. There's a zone where they have to make the handoff so that the receiving runner is running at top speed when he gets the baton. That strategy means that it's that it, they don't slow down, that it's just this quick pass. And again, I would say a little bit different story from a spiritual standpoint. Jesus said to those disciples, wait. There's significance in the weight. There's significance in us posturing ourselves, which we're going to do today to say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. I know this story continues. Would you just baptize me with your power? Would you give me that tool that I need to be a witness like I've never been a witness before? I want that dunamis, that dynamic power in my life. And you say, oh wait, you, you mentioned martyr too. Well, the truth of it is, is that physically that may, that's probably rare in our culture, right? I'm not even going to say it won't because it, but, but it's more likely for us a spiritual that we would say, God, I die to my flesh. I die to the dreams and the hopes that I may think I want for me. And I say, God, through that dynamic power working in and through me, I just want to be a part of your mission. I just want to be a part of your church. I just want the story to continue in me. And that's where we should be as a church and individually. Would you stand with me all over this place as we conclude? 
I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward and join me at the front, some of those prayer workers, and we're going to agree together with you here in just a minute in prayer. Some of you have asked, you know, Pastor John, why have you, you shifted the order of service around? And quite honestly, we're tweaking some things and trying to figure out what works best. And it's not going to be the same every week, and that's fine. But there's a moment for you even at the end of our time today. If there's a need in your life physically, we've got men and women that are are full of the Holy Spirit, ready to go to the Lord in prayer on your behalf and agree together with you. And that's just, that's biblical. James says that if they're even sick, to call for the elders of the church and they lay hands on them and pray for them. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. So it's a time of connection for you that we would love to 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 connect with you as well and, and go to the Lord. So that's an opportunity. Secondly, there's some of you that say, I've never really started this journey. You may be here in this room. He said, I don't really know Jesus as my savior. Can I tell you, that's the biggest decision that you'll ever make in your life. And the most awesome free decision is when you say, Hey, sign me up. I'm all in. I want, I want, I know my life is heading in a different direction that needs to, it's away from God. I want to, I want to shift that. And there's a way that the Holy Spirit just take that has a part in that. And it draws people's hearts to you. There's men and women up here that would love to pray that prayer with you. And that prayer just says, God, I'm sorry for my sins. You paid the price for my sins. I accept your forgiveness. I want to live for you. We would love to connect with you on, on that as well. Some of you have said, well, Pastor John, when you, when you combine those two, it kind of makes us feel like, well, I don't want to come down there because I just want to, you know, I don't want people to think I'm just getting saved. Can I just release you from that guilt or shame? We don't, it, it's okay. It doesn't matter. We could pray for you for your sick grandma or for your salvation. It's, it's, it's okay. So we've, we've wrestled with that even in the logistics. And the truth of it is, is that both of you have needs and we just want to connect with you on that. Do you understand what I'm saying on that? So we just want to, we just want to connect with you and pray together and let the Holy Spirit touch your hearts and lives. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer on that. Then I also believe that our response to this word today is is an opportunity for us, as this verse says in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And there's something for me, I know personally, that there's something that's different whenever I physically take a step and move my position in the room. That it's just like spiritually, it, it, it's modeled by my physical posture. And so we're going to just spend a time of prayer around these altars here today as a church before we are sent out to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And we're going to ask God to just bless in and through our lives here today. Pastor Clayton's going to lead us in worship here in just a minute, just a, a closing song. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to ask you to respond if you would want for us to pray with you. Father, I thank you for this time. Bless in and through us. Would you draw our hearts to you today? God, if there are those of us in this room that need to begin a relationship with Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make that so real in our lives today. Draw us to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Come if you would like prayer today.
Jesus, thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing this through one more time. Church, I'm going to ask you if you're here and you say, I want that to be my, that's my life, that I would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Can you do me a favor as a body? Can we just spend a few minutes? Would you come and just make an, an umbrella of, of prayer warriors around these right here? Would you come forward and make that, that change in position if that's your prayer and heart? Spend a few minutes just asking the Lord for his Holy Spirit to give us that power to be witnesses in our world as we are sent in that. Come join. Let's have a time of prayer around these places this morning.
God gives us patterns and models. I'm just encourage you to stay, stay with the story. Stay with the story of God's word and how it continues. In the next couple weeks, we're going to unpack some of the, the specifics of what that looks like. I'm going to encourage you, if, if God has begun to do some of that work in you, as far as that spirit being released in your life, would you, would you tell us about it? We'd love to celebrate with you. One of the ways you can do that is through that Connect card. That, that card's so important for us to, to, to know what God is doing in and through your life. And so if you've asked Jesus to come into your life today for the first time here or are online. That provides us a way to take those next steps with you as well. Please don't don't forget to do that. We're going to just allow you to continue to worship in this place today. I know the time we're running a little bit late, so I'm going to dismiss you if you feel like you need to be dismissed, but please don't feel a rush. We'll just continue in an attitude of worship in this place. Now, as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and your coming and going and, and may you be a reflection of his grace in this community as you go in the grace of our Lord. We thank you for being here in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great week. Amen.